Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 394. And I'm joined today by a returning, just one of my favourite people in the world. It's Mr. Nick Frost. I love this man dearly. And we've been having a lot of talks back and forth over the pandemic. And we thought, right, now's a good time to jump on on Zoom and do a little podcast for you guys to hear. Um, If this is your first time listening, Go back and listen to my first conversation with Nick. I first had Nick on in 2015. If you want to have a look at other people in the back catalogue, I've had Simon Pegg on twice. He was on around 2015 as well, maybe even end of 2014. But then he was also on recently for the Where's Your Head At episodes, which in fact I should mention because a lot of the people that we talk about in this podcast are on there. For the month of May, I did... um, a series of mental health specials and spoke to Florence Pugh, to Lena Heady, to Simon Pegg, to Stephen Graham, to just loads of really amazing people. I'm trying to think of other really good highlights for me. Connie Huck, Fern Cotton. Yeah, just loads of really good people. I also had my 10-year-old goddaughter on. Um, I had my mum on. I had my dad on. I had loads of interesting people. So, yeah. Go and check them out if you haven't already. But again, as I said, if this is your first time, have a scroll through the back catalogue because I've had a lot of good people on. My tip is always if you head to Scroobius Pipio on Instagram, the kind of highlight stories I've got each year of the podcast there as a highlight. So it's kind of easy to scroll through. It's only of the last three or four years. So you'd miss a lot of the early superstars like Stuart Lee and Alan Moore and just loads of people who don't do a lot of podcasts paddy considine i'm trying to think of more people that nick's worked with that i've had on i've had adam adam buxton and joe cornish yeah loads of good episodes go and give them a listen but this is a chat with nick frost and we get straight off the bat we get quite quite heavy and honest and open there's loads of other good lightness and amazing insights of 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 some of his recent experiences on set on and off set so yeah um if you enjoy the podcast and want to support it you you can head to patreon.com forward slash scroobius pip uh that's like a dollar a month but if you want some merch then head to speech com. there's dvds there's vinyl there's cds there's t-shirts sunglasses vests jumpers hoodies everything you could imagine umbrellas so yeah head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com for all that goodness let's get into the podcast guys this is the distraction pieces podcast episode 394 with the legend mr nick frost Right, I'm here today with Nick Frost. How are you, man? Hello, mate. I'm all right. Um, yeah, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to see your a lovely face. We've not had a a, a, a face-to-face or, or Zoom catch-up in a minute. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a treat. No, we haven't. I'm a, I'm a little bit agitated because uh, I'm meant to be going to have um, like an MRI on Friday. Right. What's that for? Anything good? No, no, there was nothing good comes from an MRI, but it's not bad. <laughs> it's one of those things that, because I'm like almost 50, yeah. my girlfriend was like, you have to go now and have a massive health check. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, which I did, which was, it came back all great. But because I'm on Booper, they were like, oh, you, you might as, you're paying for it. So you might as well go and have an MRI on your prostate. So I was like, yeah, fuck it, all right. Yeah. But now I've just spoken to them to say, do I need to fast? And they said, no, but you need to have an injection. So I'm like, nah, I'm done. I'd rather just die of, of a horrible prostate disease than have an injection. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a reasoned and, 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 and thought-out decision. I'll accept it. Just can't. I won't do it. <laughs> but, I mean, stuff like that interests me because I feel, if I may be so bold, in the last year or so, I feel you've been on a bit of a journey and it feels like you know yourself better than you've ever known and you know where you're 
where you are in the world and and things like going right let's get a health check it feels like is that part of a, a more mind and body thing in total yeah i mean as you know i mean i've been working on my mind a bit and happiness being, being happy you know that seems yeah. a really simple end place to be but it fucking isn't it's really difficult you know it's it's weird just to imagine that humans as a middle place would just be happy and then you can either be unhappy from there or even happier you know it's yeah where i have been for a long time happiness is the middle place you know it's yeah. not it's not the place where i dwell so yeah part of that is also you know physically taking responsibility for where i am you know it's it's fine to be 30 years old and weigh 22 stone and you're rolling around and you're doing all your own stunts and you know i did a lot of that on everything i've done i've done all my own stunts and stuff yeah but then you know, when you're 50, weighing the same, it's like the fact of the matter is big, fat, funny men of 50 do not become big, fat, fucking funny men of 60. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I think it's my responsibility as a dad if I want to give my kids, you know, it's fine making them laugh and having a, having a fucking giggle with them and taking them to the pictures. But if my son has to wear a little fucking black suit when he's 12 and bury me, it's like, well, what, what good is all that fathering, you know? Yeah. So yeah. part of being responsible and... And trying to be trying to trying to be happy in myself is also physically trying to not fucking be dead in the next five years. That seems really bleak, but it's no, like it's, it's a true and real focus. I, you've got to wake up, you know. Yeah, and 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 it's it's interesting because I feel the entertainment industry in in general gives little time for focusing on yourself or on happiness. The focus always oh, quite quickly no. becomes how successful you are, what the next job is, how that job did, who's doing better than you, who's getting the roles yeah. that you're going up for. And it can become overwhelming. I think it's the same in music. It's the same in acting. I've seen it in every entertainment industry. It's As soon as you're part of that machine, it's completely natural to get caught up in, I'm successful, but who's more successful than me? You, yeah, you, yeah. You're never looking at who's less who, who's less successful than you. Yeah. You're always looking yeah. at who's more successful and who's at the yeah. next level. And that can mean that you sideline the focus on your actual self and your actual, you, your happiness and yeah and your life. Again, there'll be so much that, that we do in acting, for example, that you go, ah, it's part of the job. It's yeah, part of the right. job. I've not seen my family in six months. It's part of the job. I've not, yeah. I've not had a day off in X amount of time or I've been working 12-hour days every day. That's filming. It's part, it's part <laughs> of the job. It's like, well, yeah. that's not acceptable, is it? It's it's no. it's a mad one. We need to, to to take the time to and and people in every industry. I think it's it's weird comparisons, but I think it's the same in, in retail. Like when I worked in retail, I would do so much unpaid overtime because it's like yeah, yeah but we have got the inspectors coming soon, and we want to be like, yeah. hot, like like high on the HMV store rankings and doing yeah, all right. these these different things that are a detriment to yourself and your own mental health and, and life because well, it's work, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's also that thing where, especially when you're when you've written it or you're producing it too, or you're starring in it, where you know I've literally had producers say to me, "But you you want it to be good, right?" And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, of course I fucking do. I've yeah. spent two years writing the thing, but <laughs> at what cost, you know? Yeah, and I think that's also a thing, like, like in fucking retail. Or I was a waiter for years. It's like, yeah. you know, the fact of the matter is, if you don't work, I don't get paid. I don't get any money. You know what I mean? It's like, that is also, uh, me mentally, that's a fucking huge weight to bear, you know, as a as a, yeah. as a man, as a father to, you know, two kids. I've got another kid on the way in fucking six weeks. Amazing. Uh, amazing. And it's like, well, it's easy to forget that in terms of, I've got to work to provide for all that. Yeah. You know, again, I ask, you know, at what cost when the kids don't fucking see you or they see you stressed or uh, fucking frightened or... <laughs> I'm always, I think, aware that when when kids see their parents as being human and fallible, you know, that's always, I think for me as a child, when I saw that in my parents, that was always like, that's always stayed with me. So yeah. I'm aware of my kids seeing that in me and how they see that, you know. Yeah, it's a weird one because it's important to see that. But as a kid, yeah. man, can it be scary and disorientating because yeah. it's oh, fuck, your yeah. parents, it's your mum and dad. And then... Yeah. You see them, like, still, I'm working on a story about it at the moment because still, honestly, I think the most, the moment that has stuck with me m m most in my life is, and I've spoken to both my parents about it, is when my parents sat me down to say that they were splitting up. All right. And oh. I'd never seen them 
vulnerable and, a, yeah. and and that kind of person. And it was, again, it turns out it's been part of forming me into the person I'm proud to be today because it's realising that we're all human and that it's not as simple as man should meet woman, yeah. have babies, get married and be together forever. There's millions of ways for relationships to work. There's millions of ways for, for different, yeah, interactions to work. But still, that's... It sticks with me as a moment because it was like, oh, yeah. they're just people. I yeah. didn't realise they were just people. I thought they were mum and dad, but, but they're just people. Yeah, uh, um, but bulletproof. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought, you know, I mean, a part, of, a part of me wanting to try to fix my mental health came when my I was just sat crying next to my fucking then six-year-old son who put his hand on my hand and he said, are you all right, dad? And it's like, fucking hell, what? I'm responsible for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was me that did that thing, you know? <laughs> It's really fucking, it's weird having kids. It's weird having kids and also trying to keep the facade of, <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes think, I like the fact that they're getting older now and you can say, hey, this is the deal. This is how this yeah. is going. Yeah. And it's fine. You know, his, my oldest son, his grandfather passed away a few weeks ago and stuff. And he really, you know, he was asking lots of questions and we decided he wasn't going to go to the funeral in the end. And at some point I said to him, hey, it's all right if you don't fucking feel anything, you know. Yeah. Don't I don't you don't need to feel fucking sad. It's absolutely fine because I think there's that weird. I don't know. It's just as a parent, I think you're responsible for validating every emotion, not just fucking happiness or crying. Yeah, um, um, and I mean, we're experiencing that in justifying our choices as actors as well. Because <laughs> because we yeah. go well, every choice is right. Every yeah, choice right. is right, really, because yeah. this is how I would have reacted. <laughs> you can't tell me I wouldn't have reacted. I like yeah. this. This is how, how I would have reacted. But um, a while ago, a few a few years back, I was talking to Stephen Graham, and he said a real breakthrough moment for him was when he was filming Pirates of the Caribbean, what one of them, and Johnny Depp got injured, and he was going to be out there for a longer time, and he was really in a bad way because he was like, "Look, I want to see my family and all that," and the production said, "You know, you're big enough for us." to fly your family over and you can have them here and they can be yeah. part of this. And he'd never considered that because he comes yeah. from a working class background. He never considered he can make exactly demands. And I, I know that put I, anyone out. Yeah. And I know that you've just had what sounded like from the conversations we had a great experience of making a wild women kill in, in LA because you took your family with you and it wasn't this, yeah. I'm going to go away and work for however long. See you later. I've now got to do this on my own. I'm going to have these nights where I get back to a hotel room and I'm on my own with my thoughts and I've yeah. dealt with a big scene that day. You didn't have that. You said, well, let's all, particularly as we're in a pandemic, you know, schools and all that kind of thing yeah. are up in the air anyway. You kind of went, let's all go to America. So, Like, how was that? And did that feel like a big a big thing? Yeah, man, absolutely. It was, but it, it, it turned out perfect in the end because it's like, because I'm not with my son's uh, mother. Yeah. Uh, so I've got two baby mamas, two different kids uh but we're all we all we all co-parent you know yeah as a as a unit but i never wanted to leave my eldest son because i've got a baby and a 10 year old it's like yeah. i never wanted him to look at where i was with a baby and my partner and say why am i not part of that you know i was always yeah. really aware that that was a possibility and i didn't want to make him feel like he was somehow being punished or he yeah. wasn't fucking part of the gang but He's old enough now that we we all sat down, all the mums and me and the kids, you know, not the kids, the kids that were a separate conversation, but everyone was like, let's just fucking do it. It's an amazing role. We're lucky to be working because the pandemic's on. We had a nice house all booked up and, you know, we did that thing that my current partner and our baby were going to be there full time. And then my son and his mother came for a month at Christmas and a month at Easter. Oh, beautiful. Uh, so... It was fucking perfect. It was amazing. You know, even though everything was shut down and stuff, uh, we could still go on the beach every day, which was bloody great when we weren't filming. It's a yeah. funny thing too, when it's like 72 degrees in LA, like we're on the beach and just shorts and the kids are in the water and stuff. But people have like parkas on and that. <laughs> yeah. And jumpers. And they were looking at us like we were bonkers. We were like, this is fucking summer, guys. Yeah, this is the this best is amazing. it gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I couldn't, um, I just couldn't, I didn't want to be alone on my own for six months in Los Angeles. You know, I think it was, uh, I, just, I didn't want to be alone. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. I did that for so many years. I isolated myself for so long. Now it's like, nah, it seems, 
that isolation seems like it's a, a warning sign for me, you know. Because yeah. like I don't smoke anymore, I don't drink. It's like, oh, let's eat this fucking kilogram bag of M&Ms, you know. It's particularly in in America, man. Eating like that will fucking kill you as quick as drugs and drink. Yeah. It's and again, I genuinely think those things are harder in America and Canada and places like that because all the Ben and Jerry's are different flavors. Oh my all the, god! All the chocolates. Like I had a point where I was shooting in Canada and I had a topless scene coming up. I only found out like a week before, um, so I was trying to eat healthy all that week or week and a half, and I was working out a bit more. I tried getting to keep your pump in, on. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was getting my pump on, but when that week ended my fridge was so rammed because despite right. the fact I'm not eating them, I can't see new sweets I've never seen before and not buy them. So yeah. I was just, I was no. just stockpiling. Whereas previously, be, oh, I'll have a little chocolate bar. It's like, no, I'll buy it in case I never see it again. And I'll put it in yeah. the fridge until we've wrapped. So that last four or five days after I wrapped, I practically p- p- put myself self in a sugar <laughs> coma, but... I was like, I've got to clear the fridge. I can't. I'm coming yeah. home now. I've got to get yeah. through this. Uh, just let's just get rid of it. Yeah. So, so how was why women kill to work on? Because it's a big production, and crucially, you're an actor rather than a writer, producer, and actor. So, because yeah. obviously, prior to that, you did a tr- tr- Truth Seekers, which we'll get onto. But basically, I'm asking, did, did did you need to do something where? you can more turn up to work and do your job and go home. Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, it was so nice. You know, it was, yeah, before we got there, you know, a couple of weeks before we started, I met Alison Tolman, who I essentially did 95% of my scenes with. Yeah. And it, we just got it. We just, she got it. And uh, we've become really close, you know, since making the show and we speak to each other all the time. And she was over with my family all the time. And, uh, Great. you know, the producers couldn't have done enough to accommodate me and my family. The scripts were bloody great. But yeah. then they said, you know, if you have a voice. So if you want to change something, let's pitch it. You know, it was very um, collaborative in terms of during rehearsal. If, if you wanted to pitch something, you could pitch it. And if it was funny and everyone liked it, then it went in, you know. But I mean, I like that. I love working, you know. Yeah. I, I love I love listening to what the crew say and they're in jokes and what the camera team are up to and what size fucking lens we're on. And How did you find that in these times? Because I'm a big fan of that as well. Previously, yeah, I love to hang around on set once I've wrapped, if I can, and things like that. But in this time, yeah. that's not possible and it's not safe. So there are kind no. of, there's bubbled groups. So the camera yeah. crew are all together and so on and so forth. So how was that to, to kind of have that slight limitation? Yeah, well, it was difficult because like, Every job I go to, they end up making me an apple box. Like the carpenters make me a box to sit on because I like to sit right there in amongst the scene yeah. as it's being built, which I guess is fucking annoying. But during COVID, I couldn't because it meant that all the crew had to keep their double masks on, which was annoying for them. So I'd kind of step off and find some quiet place yeah. in the back of the set, you know, so I could just sit and be on my own and think about the lines and think about what I was going to do. And But then there was an odd thing that, Everywhere I went, I had like three or four COVID reliance officers uh, would stand around me, like uh, so to make sure no one would come within two meters of me. Wow! Uh, and then whenever I, wherever I walked, I'd have like a phalanx of uh, COVID officers in front of me, like literally shouting "Red Zone, coming through!" Because if you're an actor, you were, you were called Red Zone. But I was saying to them, it's like it really creates an us and them. Yeah, vibe when everyone has to fucking scatter when I walk on set. It's like everything I hate about about Hollywood, so to speak. Yeah, but I think as it went on, it just became slightly looser, you know. And I'd say to the guy, I'd rather stay here if we're just going to quickly move a light. And yeah, and 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 it kind of loosened up a little bit as COVID started to ease off, uh, which was amazing. But uh, you know, I'd say sometimes I'd say to the COVID guys. Also, what what I found weird is if I was there was a few scenes that were fucking. Hard, hard to film emotionally and mm. like those things that you take home or you, it stays with you for a bit. And But like once they said cut and then we were going to go straight away again, someone from COVID, was you'd feel a hand come in and they'd literally just put a mask over you. And I'd have to say, <laughs> just please, um, just give me one. Chill. Give me yeah. a second. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, a couple of times I'd have to go and find them afterwards and say, I, I get what you were doing and I, I'm really sorry, you know, but I just yeah. needed to not have a piece of plastic between me and the woman I'm killing. Yeah, it's such a, a learning curve in these in these times. Anyway, honestly, the bit I found hardest was 
my driver to uh, to and from set, his van he was picking me up in didn't have an automatic door, and because of COVID, I'm not allowed to open the door. He has yeah. to get get out, come round, and open the door for me. And I felt like the biggest prick every time that that, that happened at the start of a day. People watching you at the end of the, yeah, as if I'm like, as if I can't open a door for myself. As if I'm like, <laughs> can you open my door, please? Uh, he's um, changed. Yeah, exactly. I just felt awful every time like we'd have our advisors on and whatever and a screen in between but we'd be chatting all the way interacting and, and getting on then right at the last minute it felt like it switched to master and servant it was like yeah. if you could if you could get that thank you um <laughs> fucking horrible <laughs> i had a few well we had twice once was my fault uh and the other time but i had a massage like a week into shooting i'd kind of not tweak myself but i was knackered and yeah. My partner wasn't there yet. So I was like, I'm going to have a massage. And I found this masseur and she came to the house and gave me a bloody lovely rub down. And I felt great. And she got all the knots out and stuff. And, and like two days later, I got a, a text message from her. And it said, just said, uh, I've just had a test and I'm positive. You, can, you should check yourself. You should test yourself. <laughs> and like the first thing that flashed into my mind was like chlamydia, like telling my <laughs> wife that, I'd slept with an escort and I've now got chlamydia. I was like, fucking, <laughs> I had that vibe in my stomach. But I had That's to, you know, amazing. tell everyone, I had to tell production and that, that was yeah. it, man. I was I, I was shut down for two weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, again, coming from that Stephen Graham school of acting, it was like, I'm responsible for this. And yeah. I now fucking will feel terribly guilty for days and send endless texts to producers saying, guys, I'm so fucking sorry, you know. Yeah. But again, it's... You know, like, like flying your family out. It's like, what you know, what can you do? It's, it's just someone had a badge on set, and it, and I'd seen it before, but it was like it, it says, it, "Relax, it's only television." And I'm like, the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's just fucking television. Well, I mean, you know I mean, did you need a reminding of that after after working on Truth Seekers? Because I, I love Truth Seekers. I spoke to you guys when you were working on it in the pre production stage. You, Nat, and James. But I know that that was a stressful one overall because again, yeah. it's it's you being a, a key person on camera, but also writing, producing, wearing so many hats all at once. How was that as an experience? Yeah how how did you get through it all? Yeah, it was fucking. You know, once once Ryan was fun to start with. We laughed a lot. We fucked around, and we wrote some good stuff. It just never felt like we got it. You know, we didn't, we never sat down and, and had a conversation which essentially went, what about the end? How does the end go? How do right. we get there? You know, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, we would have worked that out and then got to that point. But we just started off writing and because it was like Monsters of the Week and then a kind of connecting tissue somewhere within that, it just got really fucking difficult. You know, after about five months, uh, it was like, September and we started shooting in November and we just literally sat in the office for a week not talking not writing can't make any movement forward we don't know what the fuck we're doing uh you know James quit uh then he came back on Monday Nat quit at 1.2 I fucking <laughs> pretended to be ill and stayed at home in bed for a week yeah uh it just became fucking horrible you know and then we got to a point where someone I spoke to someone about it and there was a strand in the show that had been in there from the beginning and we never thought we'd ever lose it. But then we just said, "Let's. why don't we just take it out? Let's just remove the whole thing. And it was like, we were like, what? I mean, is that? And we did it. It took us about a week to get all the bits out and put it together. But it just fucking freed it, you know, it freed yeah. it. And it started to move again and we knew where we were going. But it was fucking, it was really difficult. So when we got to shooting, there was a real relief in terms of, oh my God, we've done, we did it. We really yeah. did it, you know. We got here. It's such a weird industry for that because, again, I, I think it's comparable to the music industry as well. That there has to always be a level of believing you've got more in you and you can do it again. But the, the, the reason I mention that is from the outside, it might sound crazy to people that you were like, We started writing and we didn't really know where we were going. But I've had, I finished every album and thought, What if that's all my ideas? Yeah. yeah. And then you start the next one and go, just it's worked previously it'll work this yeah. time so it makes sense to me to hear that the three of you went right we'll just we'll sit down and work it out and then when you hit yeah. a wall along the way that it's like we're not working it out 
oh shit yeah <laughs> it's, it's terrifying because it was fine writing weird like individual stories because we all had like two episodes each but then it was like there was no through thread or bigger yeah. picture and you know at 1.2 we had to kind of the budgets were slashed so all the big fucking set pieces had to come out and right villains had to be lost and there were no sets uh there was no locations we could use you know it was just a real fucking drag you know yeah i don't know why it has to be so difficult <laughs> yeah really it's mad isn't it even the commissioning processes you know there must be 60 cha- i mean i mean how many like disney and how many apps are there and how many svods and platforms and netflix yeah. and amazon and bbc and dave and five and you know it's like you think it will be easy to fucking get stuff commissioned but yeah uh, even when you've been doing it 20 years and you're kind of known and people like what you do you think you could just walk in with any old shit and get it commissioned but it's like people it's really really difficult you know truly i i remember the last time i met up, up with you guys i popped into the office and had a catch up with you and and nat and james and at that point, I had a script. I was running around and just hitting wall after wall. Couldn't get anywhere with Netflix. Couldn't. I'd, we'd spoken to Channel 4 and a few others. And as we finished the, that meeting, I said, what, what are you up to today? And you were like, oh, I've got to go and, and chat with people at, at Netflix about an idea. And I just, I looked at you with, with just with hate in my eyes. <laughs> just, oh, oh. Can I come? Can I call, can I jump on the end of it? Can I, can I just pop up the end and go? Oh, by the way, <laughs> I've got an idea as well. But yeah, it, it's a mad industry f- f- for that, isn't it? The the fact that all of these companies, quite r- r- rightfully in a way, have to be really regimented and, and and rigid on what they look at and what they see, partly f- for legal reasons, partly j- just for scheduling. But yeah, yeah, it's a mad. A mad world of it all. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of Netflix, you need to either have, you know, if you're a documentary about Pablo Escobar or Nazis, <laughs> then you're fucking quids in. Yeah. You're sorted. So so how have you found it on the on the on the productions side of things? Because an, another thing that Stolen Picture did was Out of Her Mind, which I got to be part of. And you you and Simon made me the cool kid at school on the uh, on on the table read because no one knew that you two were going to be there. So we're all right. there for the table read. I'm only in one episode. I'm excited to be involved. I'm 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 sitting there ready to do my couple of scenes, and you two walked in, and my instant reaction was "Hey!" and hey, came up and said yeah. hello and excited. And then I realised the rest of the room's reaction was "Oh my god, Nick and Simon are here." Oh my god, this is exciting! This is the, and so I look like the cool kid because I was like, "Hey, how's it going, guys?" And then <laughs> everyone's looking over, thinking, "So what's his role? He must have a big role." And then it gets right. around to I'm like, "I got two scenes." I mean, they were good scenes, but they yeah, they were good, yeah, yeah. But like, um, how is that having that kind of side of things? It's odd when you start. I mean, but for for me anyway, personally, it was to get into that side of the business. It's like. I don't, honest to God, I didn't know how a film company made money before yeah. I became a producer. It's like, you know, I was a waiter, then I acted for 15, 16 years. And in between that time, I wrote a book and I wrote some films and stuff. And But I didn't know the nuts and fucking bolts of it. You know, I think I could have probably directed if you got a good DOP and a good first. But yeah. the world of production, of being a producer seemed like, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd worked with Naira Park and she was like the best. She is the best. So, yeah. To then, I'm there with Miles, and he, he taught. You know, Miles was our our CEO who who fucking sadly died last year. Yeah, but he, he I just just he taught me everything. You know, yeah, he he's a very very clever man, and he was like a, a, an amazing lunatic. <laughs> uh, so I literally just watch him and listen to him, and just learn not how to do it, but learn the processes and what was needed. And you know, he was very he was very gentle, but he could also be insightful it was it's it's, t- it's a tough side to the business you know what i mean because mm. it's nice being an actor because you can just sit in your trailer and you learn your lines you come out and you do it and you go home and you know you eat that chocolate you hadn't seen before and that's that yeah. you know but <laughs> when you're on that side it's like every fuck you get the phone calls at 11 o'clock at night uh, yeah. you know 4 a.m people are yeah. you know it's 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 odd but I, I i like i mean i like knowing about it now you know 
I think it's I think it's fucking interesting, and it's I think it's another what's the word another notch in my bow. It's it's like yeah, you know. I think I think it taught me that well, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can you can put deals together and you can get things off the ground, and you know if 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 that's your thing, you know. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting area of the business to to learn. I bet, and and it probably affects how you see other areas of the business as well because you're you're then when you go back to just being an actor you're probably appreciating it more and appreciating the time in your trailer more and understanding yeah. the, the struggles that other people are are going through again yeah. if, if all you've done is the acting side and you would have seen it with loads of actors i have there can become an entitlement there can become an illusion that they're the most important person regardless of how early the makeup department got to set and how l- late they're going to be leaving set and all yeah. the all the crew i've seen it with actors who start to get the, 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 that illusion that this show would be nothing without them when in reality they're just part of the team yeah. so i think being on the production side must just highlight that even more right yeah i mean i, I think part of my problems were about getting involved too much you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And so it was nice now. It is nice to be able to sit back and say, that's not my problem. <laughs> I know that seems very selfish, but the other way was really uh, damaging to me in terms of getting involved and saying, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. You know, yeah. I know when I did Badlands, I ended up just writing, rewriting tons of stuff like every day. And any scene I was in with Daniel, I'd be like rewriting it and sending it and saying, what do you think about this? Or I'd rewrite the end of an episode, or which I fucking love doing. but. Also, it's like, it's not your job. Just, just yeah. relax, you know. Obviously, you want to make it as good as you can. But, you know, it's not my responsibility. And I always, yeah. my whole career, have always taken on that it was my responsibility, you know. When, in fact, it's like, just shut the fuck up, you know. Do yeah. what you're getting paid for. Yeah, yeah, com- uh, completely. So how was it? Uh, another one I wanted to talk to you about, because I've not w- w- watched it yet, but I was excited seeing it happen, is The Nevers. Because right. that sounded absolutely bonkers. I I was almost in that. I had two auditions, and the role I was up for was the one that, that Martin Ford got. How can me and Martin Ford be up for the same thing? He's like I've, I worked with him on another thing, and he's literally a monster. He's um, massive. He's yeah, amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. He's absolute beast. So yeah, completely the right choice. But how was that to work on? Because it's a big, it's big and and monstery. But it's medieval and yeah, periody and yeah, yeah. Kind it was, of a mix. It was um, you know, as as I said, I, I've been around doing this for twenty years now. But there's still, you know, I still have I have that kind of condition where a I fucking don't belong here. You know, I'm, I'm imposter syndrome, and also I, it, it's I fucking get anxious working when I do like you know before any job I will be fucking physically ill yeah. and I'll cry. <laughs> And my wife will sit me down, my partner will sit me down and say, you'll be fine. You're going to be fucking fine. You know, it'll be all right. Yeah. You get like this before every job. And it's like, you know, it, it literally fucking crushes me. And so then to get on set and there's a thousand extras and here's Joss Whedon and there are 50 buses from nine, from 1860 and 200 yeah. horses. And it's like, there are a lot of people there to potentially watch you fuck up, <laughs> mm-hmm. is what I always think. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think, I, you know, once you get over that, and I think that's part of the skill of being a, you know, a screen actor, is that you can essentially, for me, once I get into the scene, it's about me and the other person. And, uh, you know, the focus puller comes and measures up and then there's a bit of light in you little chat. Hey, hey, boom, boom. But it's just about me and them. Yeah. And I can literally forget about the rest. Yeah. You've got to make it as small as possible. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, if I start thinking about the fact that there are 500 people on monitors watching me act, it's like, nah, I'm not, you know, I'm going to fuck up. But also, you know, sometimes you just, you'll see in your shot, you're doing a really great scene about you know some uh, someone having a baby or and you'll see an electrician just behind the camera do it on their phone or you know it's i think it's a real skill to be able to do things like that and then just have someone walk in and just tinker with something or just just nudge a light slightly and you've got to keep going and 
You've got to that, keep doing it. I'm kind of proud of that still, you know. I really liked it, but I was in like for six days, essentially. And then yeah. COVID struck. So we had like nine months off. Right. They just shut us down for nine months, 10 months. So it was fucking, it was weird. You know, it was weird. And then you don't see any other, anyone else's stuff and stuff and that. So it was nice to get back after I did the thing I did in the States. And then they were saying, oh, we're going to go again in, in September. So we start shooting again. Yeah. I start shooting again in August, September. But they said, oh, we're going to get you on um, a big Zoom with all the writers and, uh, you know, Philip are the new showrunner and stuff like that. I was like, oh, fuck, right, okay, so maybe I should know what happened in the show, you know. And like, I happened to look on Twitter and saw someone dressed as, like, in a fucking spacesuit with a gun. I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, well, the show I started was set in, like, 19th century London, so where did this fucking go? And so I had to go and, because I didn't watch, because we hadn't got HBO, so I had to, like, I was reading it, reading about what happened on Twitter. I was like, oh, fuck, this is great. This is how it goes. And then, you get, and then you're like, oh, that's why you shot that little bit. Like, I get it now. So now yeah. I kind of went into that meeting talking oh, about like the space section of it, thinking like I knew like Johnny Rigwallet. Blag in it. I, I, I love that. It's, it's interesting what you were saying earlier about kind of m- mentally trying to scale everything down and be small in the moment. And, and, and there's, a, there's a memory I've got that I always draw from in those moments on set where you are. You kind of, there's all this stuff around you. But you have to remember it's between you and that person. But I remember I saw, I was watching, I went to see Fugazi uh, um, at somewhere like the Hammersmith Apollo, and they were being supported by Billy Childish. And, and Billy Childish is like an icon of playing pubs and right. all sorts of things like that. And there's this huge stage, and they set up as if they were in a corner of a pub. Oh, so they, they literally t- took up the middle like eighth of the stage if that they set the drums there they put the amps around it and it was one of the best gigs i've seen because it had that energy you kind of instantly the rest of that massive void if they tried to fill that big space it would have felt empty but because they went no that isn't there in our minds that isn't there it just drew you in and that's that's something i draw from a lot in those moments where you're on a a huge set and you're like oh fuck there's a lot going on here no there's not there's not all that's happening is in this space. Also, I think as an older, as a you know, an older actor now and a bit more experienced, I found it's all right to say a couple of times um, doing why women kill. You know, it was for me, it was really dialogue heavy. Yeah, and you know, a thing I kind of tell myself a lot is, I'm not a fucking computer. I'm not a robot. You know. Yeah. I, I, if you come to me two days before a scene with a six-page scene and say we're doing this on Monday, and it's now Saturday evening. I am going to fucking have trouble learning yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I know some people, yeah, Alison, who I work with, who, who, who I work on the show, she looked at her scenes that fucking morning mm. in, the, in the costume chair. You know, I know Amanda Abinson does that too, and Simon's a bit like that. Yeah. And I think, wow, what a fucking skill. What a skill to be able just to kind of get the sense of it there and then in the morning, then hone it down as, as the more and more rehearsals and takes you do. That's incredible. But I just can't do it. I just... I have such a fear of fucking up and, and letting people down yeah. by fucking up that I just, I over, I overcompensate by I'm up at 4am doing two hours of line learning. Then when I finish work, I do fucking two hours at night and mm. that's every night for like seven months. And it's, yeah. you know, I'm lucky enough that I've got a partner that is like, oh, I understand this is your process and you have to do what you want to do. But if I fucking need you, then yeah. you got to come, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's all right. I'm saying it's all right a couple of times during takes to say, I just need a minute, you know? I think there's that weird thing when you're acting and you're behind and you've got 11 pages to shoot and you can't go over and people are like, come on, let's go, let's go. It's like, just relax, you know? It's, it's, that's not how acting is, you know? Sometimes it is like that, but other times it's fine to say, I fucking need a minute. Just give me a minute. Because yeah. you know, you know full well if the direct, if the DOP or or, or or you know director of photography said, "I need ten minutes to relight this," then he's given ten minutes. You know, yeah, yeah, which is fine, which is beautiful because they do an amazing job. But I think sometimes that's also allowed for me. Yeah, I I, I worked with a great director and, and and producer on 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 debris. This guy Patrick, um, and we were talking offset and he was saying, yeah, w- one of his things on every set is if there's ever any rush 
or any anything else like that, or or we're short of time or anything else. He's like the only person that you can t- 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 tell is me because I don't want my actors be- being told we're running out of time. Yeah, we right, need to yeah. do this or we need to, t- 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 to do that because he's like, I'll deal with it. I'm I'm yeah, the one yeah. that should make that work because and it was perfect. It meant every day on set with him was the most relaxed. And this was network TV, and you know how that is on the kind of the tight turnarounds and all this. Yeah all this coming, but every time he was directing or producing, it just felt so relaxed and cool. And then, the, uh, then you'd you'd finish and you'd realise how tight it actually was, how yeah. how close you were to to, to, uh, to not getting it, but you didn't get yeah. any of that until it was over. And that's a real skill. That's also, I think, one of the joys of what we do. Sometimes that fucking lunacy is so fucking great to be in the middle of because yeah. it's like. 10 to 8 and you've got two shots to get and everyone's just pushing in the same direction yeah. and you you go one minute over but you get your shot yeah. and it's like and that's a wrap guys thanks for a great day it's like yeah we fucking did it that's you know that's a yeah man there's an energy that's few there. and far between those little you know that's what I do for free that fucking feeling you know yeah well I mean there's a few more things I want to talk about we're running out of time more and more I want to talk a little bit about fighting with my family because we've not really talked about that, and I adored it. I'm a big wrestling fan anyway. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. And when I heard you were cast as Ricky Knight, I was like, this is fucking <laughs> perfect. And then, yeah, I just thought it worked really well, and I loved watching more and more people kind of dismiss it as they went into it and then come out the other end going, oh, that was fucking great. Like going in going, oh, I'm, right. I'm not really a wrestling fan. I'm not really a this or that. And then coming out the other end going, that's just an amazing story. So how was that? to play somewhat because the Knight family, for those who don't know, in are kind of a legendary British wrestling family and their youngest daughter w- went off to join the WWE and have huge fame and success as Paige. But, but they're real characters, man. They're big characters. How, yeah. how was that to play Ricky and to, to get it right? Um, yeah, I just, I think as an actor, you can say something like, well, I didn't want to do an impression of Ricky. If you, yeah. you know, you didn't want to, but I just, uh, you know, I kind of, I think once you have kids, it makes it easier to understand another father's drive Yeah. in yeah. terms of what he'd do for his kids, you know. And so in doing that, that it becomes easy then because, you know, he's a fucking family. He's about his family, you know, and there's nothing yeah. that's going to get in the way of that and he will protect that. And, you know, he was a, he's a great dad, despite the fact some people would be like, oh, I don't want to be on holiday near those guys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but they're fucking, they're a lovely family. They're a, and he's a great dad and she's an amazing mum. And I was really nervous, like, do, I was really nervous going to do press in the States with, with, with Paige, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I hope she's fucking nice because this could be really tricky doing a tour. Yeah. yeah. If she's a diva and she's horrible. And, but she was so fucking lovely. She's absolutely g- golden, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, and her boyfriend. They, it was so nice, you know, and we just got so much support from the wrestling uh, family. And I think once there was a day we had me and Jack and um, and Lena and, and Florence, where we essentially spent the whole day in the ring, and all the extras were people from the British wrestling community, and yeah. a lot of people in the audience were like wrestlers or family of wrestlers. And we spent the whole day in the ring, and I probably took like fifty hits that day. Yeah. And it was one of those days where you finish, and everyone did. Like Lena did, and Jack, and like people come and pat you on the back, like extras, and they say, "Well done, Sam. Well done, mate." And it's like I think after that, people were like, "Oh, well, they're not taking the piss, and and they're committed to it, and they're respectful of it." And yeah. it, it, I felt it changed then, and they were like, "Right, let's fucking get behind this," you know. Yeah, I love it. Is is there any when you play the father of actors? Is there any extra pride when those actors in real life, because Florence and Jack are both sm- smashing it and putting in some real award-winning, award-nominated performances. Is there any weird extra pride having at some point <laughs> put yourself in the position of being their parent, of seeing them doing uh, well and going, oh, look at them. Aren't they doing no, good? None whatsoever. <laughs> I've got kids to feed. <laughs> I love it. Also, it's weird, it's like... I, I, it's very fair. Like I look back and I think, how did I become the dad? I don't get it. But of course I get it. I've got kids, but it's like, when did that happen? That I can be cast as a 50-year-old? You know, it just creeps up on you. 
it sneaks up. I, yeah, I mean, listen, just to go back, obviously uh, I like people to do well and I'm happy that they're smashing it. But, you know, it's like people... There's a weird thing in TV and film now when you do press and stuff. Like one of the questions on why women kill press was like, hey, if you could be any character from season one, who would you be? And I had to say, I didn't fucking watch it. I don't know. There's a weird thing. It's like <laughs> people expect... You're expected to know everything about the yeah. universe and be a massive fan of the thing. And it's like... The truth be told, it's like these are. I love doing it, but these are jobs to me, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 your focus is on your character, yeah. not on the on the entire back catalogue, and particularly on yeah, a yeah. thing like that where they're kind of separate. <laughs> yeah, stories. Exactly. It's a really odd question. It would be like, oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But also, I have a weird thing about hypothetical questions. It's like, what? so what? Uh, so, what's the point? Yeah. Get to- it's a weird thing. Like sometimes in press, people say, so who do you think would want to fight between Thor and Batman? It's like, I, I don't fucking care. Whoever the, whoever the author wants to win the fight. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Um, so uh, before I, I wrap things up and ask what's n- n- next, a- another th- thing I loved and I want to ask about how did you find playing yourself in staged in in the episode of staged that you and and Simon did? Because it's a weird thing to play. It's a different thing to play yourself or to play a yeah. version of yourself or a caricature of yourself, particularly a caricature of yours and Simon's relationship and being compa- paralleled with uh, David's um, and, and Michael yeah. and Michael's relationship. How was that? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's odd because it's, you know, I do voiceovers as well. And every now and again, no, quite a lot of people will say, you know, we just want it, the character kind of just be you, you know, just like you're chatting with yeah. your mates down the pub. Yeah. And then you're like, well, fuck, what is that? What me is that? You know, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, you don't actually so, know me. So what do no, you think is me? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is me, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah I haven't seen it. So I, I'd really like to see it, but it's... um. It was really, uh, especially during lockdown too, I've been so lucky to be able to work and stuff. Yeah. And, and to do something with Michael and, and David. They're so bloody lovely. Yeah, it was nice to, to definitely, you know, be a version of myself. I love it. So, 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 so what is ahead? I know you've been writing and you've got a script that's hopefully the, doing stuff. So what's the plan going forward at the moment? You know, we got. I've got a script in at Netflix, so they're looking at that, and there's bits and pieces of you know licensing agreements to be fucking signed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Business bullshit. Uh, and then I wrote a kids book a few years ago, and uh, I've got that published. So I'm just editing oh, wow. it at the moment. But uh, you know, I paint a lot. I'm painting, so I yeah. I've got a nice studio that I sit in and I paint. And you know, I think part of my me trying to be uh, a happier man means me also being confident enough to say no and that sometimes it's just fucking enough to sit and paint or or to fucking not or to just be online or to watch a fucking film or you know it's yeah that it's enough that's fine too you know but that i mean that said it's we film the nevers i've got like six episodes of that to shoot and we start i think i'll start filming the end of august beginning of september yeah but also you know we've got a baby in six weeks so yeah it's going to be a bunch of baby business. So it's going to be that and then running out and doing days here and there. And Do you think that's going to increase or decrease the the, the amount of painting you do? Because I can imagine you sat with a baby in one arm and and a paintbrush in the other on on those times where there's no option of going to sleep or (laughs) or doing anything other than being awake. I don't know if that, because that my studio just fucking stinks like mess. That's a great point. That's not not a good place for a newborn, is it? Well, no, my partner's in there constantly saying, oh, I fucking love it. I love the smell. Uh, (laughs) Because I think she was, she's after that smell, you know, her body craves that smell. I don't know if I'd, maybe I'll like use it as a paintbrush and like paint with its head. And that would be like a thing for me. This is my new art. And then it says like uh, painted using child's head. Yeah. As brush. Yeah. Created by the frosts. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's a collaboration thing. Have, have you, this only came to mind as I was thinking of um, of times we've interacted. Um, have you heard the talk of Attack the Block 2? Yeah, I have. Uh, I spoke to Naira 
that was the first premiere I ever went to, 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 to I think, because right. you invited me along. And um, I'd never done any of that fucking premiere. Like, I remember I was, I was, I was sitting behind Jonathan Ross and just all sorts of proper famous people were there. And I was like, oh, shit. So, yeah, th- th- that film holds a, a warm place in my heart for many reasons. But, yeah, how's the... The, the word on Attack the Block 2. Well, there's, apparently there's a script being written and uh, I think it's being greenlit. So I had a, we had a conversation with Naira, the producer and stuff, and she was saying, well, Joe wants to know what you think, where you think the character would be and what's happened to him. And so there's that, there's that. But I mean, it, uh, yeah, I'd, I can't wait. I love being Ron. He was great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. Well, thank you very much for giving me your time, sir. It's been bloody lovely to catch up with you oh listen man it's always a pleasure yeah i mean i feel this uh this version of of the podcast it's a bit more serious and yeah uh, but i think that's all right i think it's difficult to be a fucking funny idiot all the time it's again it's gotta be as you said all of these things are about balance and weirdly i think since the first time we spoke it is when the kind of the comfortableness of talking about mental health of talking about all these other things has come in and we don't have to give this f- false representation of who we are and how we are and everything fine. else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. Well, next time we do it, hopefully we'll have a, we'll, we'll dive even deeper and yeah, we'll take our shirts off. Yeah, I look forward to it. And I look forward to catching up in person as, yeah. as well, man. I miss the, uh, the, the times when we'd go and grab some food or something. With, with James or Nat or, or yeah. Simon or whomever's about. So, yeah, I look forward to the world well, allowing back. all of that I'm as well. I'm now and I'm kind of coming in and out of town, so let's definitely do that. Let's do it. Well, lovely. Thanks, Thank man. you very much, man. I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Nick Frost. I told you it was a goodie. And yeah, I loved having a good catch up with the lad. As I said, if this, is, if this has been your first time tuning in, an easy episode to go, go back and check out would be the first chat that me and, and Nick had. But in general, if you put in your search engine, if you put Distraction Pieces podcast or Distraction Pieces, and then whoever might catch your eye, Chances are I've had them on, and uh, chances are you'll you'll want to go and have a listen. So yeah, there we go. I'll be back n- n- next week with more goodness, as always. Um, until then, stay sane and stay safe. Ta-ta.